everyone here tonight. If you're a guest with us, we welcome you. Amen. It's good to have my grandmother, my aunt, snuck over here tonight. Good to have them here. And uh, it's good to have Brother you worshiping elder, senior elder, executive elder, you here with us this evening. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. I hope uh, I hope you know me by now. Most of you would know me by now. Um, the first and foremost thing that I always try to do is uh, obey the Lord first and foremost. Um, I, I hope you know me by now to know my heart and my burden and the fact that I try to do my best in doing that, obeying the Lord. And um, I say all that tonight because what the burden of the Lord that is upon me tonight, I felt it come this afternoon. What the Lord is asking, what the Lord wants to do in this service tonight, it's not going to be easy for some of you. In fact, there are many of you in here tonight, when we start down this road, your flesh is going to rise up. I can already feel the resistance in this place. I felt it earlier in fact, I had asked my wife to step out to pray for a moment because I feel it already in my spirit resistance. I fully believe 100 million percent that we are destined for greatness and we are destined for revival. I believe that. I said it this morning and I'll say it again this evening. I don't believe God brought us over here just so that we could have church. I don't believe God brought us over here uh, so we could have another location of Antioch, the Apostolic Church. That was never the intent of doing all of this. We come over here for one and one reason only and that was for revival and harvest. And I fully believe 100% with my heart and my spirit, I fully believe 100% that every person that is in here that's a part of this group is here in the perfect will of God. I believe that. Because each one of you had the opportunity to choose. No one was forced to do it. Everyone had a choice. And because of that, you chose to be here. And I believe God ordained us to be here. And I believe this group is the group 
that God has chosen to see great things happen. However, there are some things that if we do not address, God will not sit back any longer and wait while people die lost while we sit here and allow things in our hearts and our spirits to go unchecked and create an atmosphere that will kill what God wants to produce. And I've come in here tonight with a burden. I am not mad and I'm trying to keep my emotions in check and try to be calm because I want to come across in a burden and a love tonight and not in a, in a bringing the hammer down because that's not my intent and I'm not. But I've got a burden because I've, I feel this so strongly. I said it to my wife this afternoon that there are some of you that if you don't allow God to start dealing with things in your heart, the time of hiding is done. And if you won't deal with it in private, God will deal with it in public. Because we are going to have revival and harvest. We're going to have it. But we're not going to bring new babes in Christ into an atmosphere to be contaminated with people that have allowed junk in their spirits. You can remain seated. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 14. Please remain seated. You can read along. But Hebrews 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator, profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. It grieves me to make this statement. And I have felt this for a little while. And we've, my wife and I had an opportunity in the car to talk about this. And I, I could see this day coming. And it grieves me to make this statement. But we are on the cusp of an epidemic of bitterness in this congregation. It is astounding to me the amount of people in this place that is harboring stuff in your spirit. And there is no way possible we can pray, we can fast, and we can believe God and we can work till our knuckles are bleeding with effort. And there's no way God is going to allow us to bring revival and harvest 
until some of us decide what we're carrying is not worth the price of giving up the birthright. And the Bible says that Esau, the story of Esau, if you don't know the story, I'll give you the quick synopsis of the story. Esau was a twin. His brother's name was Jacob. They were born minutes apart. And just in those minutes, Esau came out first. Jacob came out second. Esau was a hunter. He had the birth, he had the birthright. And the Bible says that on one particular day, he was, he was, he was hungry. His flesh was in need of, 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 of refreshment. And Jacob, his brother, said, I will give you something to eat if you give me your birthright. And Esau traded his birthright for a moment of pleasure, a moment of satisfaction. He was going to get hungry again. It wasn't something that lasted, and he chose to give up his birthright to satisfy his momentary need And the Bible says that he came to his senses. And when he came to his senses, it was too late, even though he sought for repentance with tears. And Hebrews said, beware, lest there be a root of bitterness that springs up in you. I began to try to study this out, look through it. Trying to peer, figure this, not figure it out, but let the Lord speak to me and, 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 and come in a package it in a way that would make you think, that would challenge you. And the Lord stopped me. Because can I be honest with you tonight? You don't need me to break this down in the Hebrew and the Greek. You don't need me to package it to you in a whole new way. You know it if you've got it. And for me to make it cute and neat and make it so that it sounds good to you, it's not going to do you any good. Because every person in here tonight knows if you've got it. I'm going to say some things tonight in boldness, not in anger. I'm not angry at all, not angry. I'm, I'm, I'm burdened, but I'm not angry. But I'm going to say things tonight in the Holy Ghost that may not, they may, it may make you mad. Hopefully when it's all done, we'll hug it out. When the anointing lifts and Joel comes back, let's hug it out. Right now, don't hug me. But there's some of you, you had issues back before this broke And you think now that we're in a new facility and a new congregation and you don't have to see the same people anymore that somehow that excuses you from dealing with what you left back on that hill? You have got a big problem, honey, because God is not going to let you get off that easy. And you think now because so-and-so or brother or sister is now up at another congregation, another church, that you don't have to look at them anymore. And now you can come in here and you can lift your hands and you can love Jesus. And God's just going to pat you on the back and say, it's okay. You are deceived. Amen. 
And in the name of Jesus, I bind that spirit of deception off of you. Because there are some of you that there is a root of bitterness in your spirit that is starting to get a hold of you and it's choking out your worship. It's choking out your prayer life. It's choking out your faith. And you can fake it, but you can't fake it and make it. And you can come in here and you can smile and you can fool us, but you can't fool him. And you know what? I could go, we could go down verse by verse and we could talk about what bitterness and unforgiveness does and what it does and all that. But come on, folks, you know what it does. And me telling you what it does is not going to make you face it any different. It's a choice tonight. And it's got to start tonight. Because I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, there is a time where God's going to say enough is enough. And what you don't deal with in private, God will say, fine, honey, you won't deal with it behind the closed doors. I'm going to deal with it in the open door. Because Achan thought he could hide some stuff. And I fully believe that if Achan, even though he had committed a sin and God had told him, don't take anything out of Jericho and he snuck that stuff and he hid it in his tent. I believe if he would have found a place of repentance, God is merciful. God is just. God is right. God is full of grace. It is not his intent to punish anyone. It's not his intent. He said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If it's about a mistake, then none of us have a chance. But he, he, he made this thing. It's called the cross. And he shed this stuff called the blood. So that you and I could have an opportunity when we go astray to stop for a moment and say, Lord, I've gone astray. And I need you to correct me. And I fully believe, I don't have scripture for this, but I fully believe because of the nature of God. If Achan would have come and repented before God and said, I have sinned, God would have allowed him to live. But he hid it and denied it. And you know how he got caught? Because of his worship. Not because of his praise. You can praise, because you know what? The only qualification for praise is, do you have breath? So, you can. Woo, I'm praising. I've got so much junk in my spirit, but I'm praising. But worship? I'm not, I'm not picking on, I'm not picking on Julian. I'm using this illustration. So this is not, just not, don't, don't, don't go pray for Julian. I've watched people stand behind these things and lead a congregation in praise, but their heart was filled with junk. I've had seen people stand behind these things with this in their hand, reading out of this and lead people with junk in their spirit. I'm telling you, I have such a burden and a desire to see God do something great. See revival and harvest. But God is not going to let this congregation go forward until we deal with some stuff in our spirits. He will not let it. He's not going to let it. We can pray, we can fast, and we can do it. But until some of you 
And I'm begging you. I'm begging you tonight. Feel my burden tonight. I'm not mad. I'm begging some of you. Don't steal our revival because you refuse to deal with the stuff. Because Achan cost the lives of his brothers and his friends because of the junk in your heart. Don't let me suffer because you won't make the choice. Look to the person on the right. Look to the person on the left. Don't let them suffer because you refuse to deal with what's in your spirit. I would prefer... If I would come to your house and we'll have church with me and you in your living room if you can't deal with it versus you bringing that in here and causing all of us to have to deal with the fact that you refuse to deal with what's in your spirit. I'm not going to apologize for anything I'm saying tonight. I've said it already. If you don't feel the burden and the, the, the hunger and the desire coming out of my heart and you're taking this as a, as a spanking, then you, you have bigger issues. But I'm not going to sit back and be muffled and intimidated from dealing with things that are going on because I'm afraid that I might ruffle, ruffle your feathers. I'll ruffle them. I'll pluck them out. I'll do whatever it needs to do because I want to see God do great things. And Paul said, do I offend you because I tell you the truth? Do I offend you because you're standing on the precipice of losing your soul and I come over to you and say, please don't take another step because if you do, you're going to end up in a place you never dreamed. You need to stop. Is that offensive? Proverbs 18, verse 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city. It's one thing. You know what? There's some of you in here tonight from a pure standpoint you have every right to be hurt for what's been done. What was done to you was wrong. How you were treated was wrong. What was said about you was wrong. I'm not here tonight to justify anything that has been done to you. But I'm here tonight to plead. To choose. To let that go. Because can let's be honest. Let's just talk real for a moment, okay? The Bible says. That God is omnipresent. He lives in all space and all times. Right? Picture this with me. On the cross. He had prayed so hard in Gethsemane that he began to sweat blood. They marched him 
to the trial and beat his back, placed a crown of thorns on his head, plucked his beard, beat his face until he was unrecognizable. Agonizing in pain, he carried the cross to the point of exhaustion that they had to find someone else to carry it for him because he could not do it anymore. Gets to the hill of Calvary and they drive nails into his wrist and nails through his feet. They raise that cross and in agony, and I'm not here to get into all of it tonight, that's not the point, but if you know anything about crucifixion, you know that in order to breathe in crucifixion, it requires the, the, that, the, 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 the person that is crucified, it requires them to be able to lift their shoulders up enough to create a passage in their lung because of the pressure of the weight and the way they are crucified. They can suffocate because they're laying down. It's hard to breathe. So they have to pull themselves up and eventually they die because it gets harder and harder to do that. And you got to imagine this. You're not talking about something that's smooth. You're talking about a piece of wood that was rough. And here's Jesus. And every time he pulls himself up, all the flesh that's on his back is being rubbed against that tree. And you know what, what he was looking at? He goes on that cross. Forgive me, video guy. He's on that cross pulling himself up. you know what? He didn't see me standing here tonight preaching. He saw me in my sin. He saw me. He saw me lying. He saw me cheating. He saw me with wrong thoughts, wrong actions. And what's even, even beyond that, folks, it's one thing, the Bible says it's one thing if you don't know wrong to do wrong. But it's a whole other thing now that I know what the Bible says, that I still do wrong things. But yet I expect to come in here and be able to lift my hands and say, God, forgive me. And I believe that he forgives me. And I walk out of here rejoicing because he forgave me. When he went through agony and pain, and I know what he did, and yet I choose to continue to sin knowing what he did, and he's still willing to freely forgive me every time with love. And then I want to turn around and tell somebody, I can't forgive you because you hurt me. And I want to equate my hurt as a greater hurt than the hurt of the cross. Are you kidding me? You don't know what they did. Well, you don't know what I've done. And can I be honest with you? There are sins that I've committed. Thank God you'll never find out. I mean that. 
I've often said, I'll say it again. If it offends somebody, it offends them. But you know what? I've often heard people say, I've never never smoked, never drank, as if those are the only two sins in the Bible. Well, guess what? I never smoked, I drank, but I got a whole list of stuff I've done. So I'm not going to sit up here and say, well, you know, I never smoked, never drank. So, whoo, look at me. I'm a good old preacher boy, honey. I have messed up more stuff than you can even imagine. I've done stuff that might make you blush. So I'm not sitting up here trying to tell you and show you my perfection. Look how good I am. You better get your act together, honey, because you got to catch up with me. I'm telling you, listen. I'm right beside you, baby. But you know what? He's forgiven me. And I got to be honest with you. I've asked for forgiveness and not really feeling like I deserved it. Because you know what? Can I be honest with you? I've done stuff and I've had that voice screaming in my head. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. Please don't do it. And you know what I've done? Shh. 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 Still, still doing it. I know. In the middle of doing sin, I've heard the voice of God begging me, stop. Don't do it. Not in a condemning way, but in a gentle, kind way. Please don't do that, son. Don't do that. But yet I continue to do that. And yet I still turn around and say, God, I knew you you were speaking to me and I, I I didn't listen and I'm asking you to forgive me. And guess what he does? Turns around and storms out of heaven. How dare you ask for forgiveness? You know what he does? He reaches down again with his love and says... It's okay. I forgive you. And you know what? I wish I could tell you I've only done it once. You know what the worst part is? I've repented for the same sin time after time after time after time after time after time. I have vowed, God, I'll never do it again, only to repeat it again the next day. And you know what he did? He forgave, 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 he forgave. But I want to hold to the fact that you don't know what they did But yet I want God to forgive me. But I can't forgive because I'm hurt too bad. I believe it's, I don't don't know where the scripture is off the top of my head. Maybe one of you could help me out. But the scripture says that that when, when, when someone does, when someone who knows right does wrong, it crucifies him again. It's crucifying him over again. Come on, folks. And the fact is, some of you are sitting here, and yes, did you get hurt? 100%. Yes. Were you done wrong? Yes. Did they treat you wrong? Yes. Were you abused? Yes. Were you misused? Yes, 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 yes. But I'm begging you. Allowing that stuff to sit in your spirit and churn. But you know what? 
Let's just get right down into it. We're already into it. I'm about to take my jacket off for this. It's one thing to be upset with your brother and offended with your brother. But what's scary tonight is there are some of you that are offended with God. It's one thing for me to be offended with Sister Gina. I'm not offended with Sister Gina, okay? I have to say these now because apparently some people take what I do in messages literally. Using this, this, I'm going to put a little, like a, a, a scroll. This is an illustration. It's not meant to be literal. Please do not take it. Prices vary in Alaska, Hawaii, Puerto Rico. Something like that. So this is not literal. But it's one thing for me to be offended with Sister Gina. Because she can't answer my prayers. She can't supply my needs. She doesn't know what's best for my life. Doesn't make it right. But it's one thing to be offended with her. But to be offended with God? I'm just going, let's, let's just be transparent tonight. Is that all right? I don't know how else to be. My wife and I, my wife and I had two kids, two little girls. And we had talked about it when we got married, how many kids we wanted. Felt two was the number we, that's what we wanted. Wasn't just, it wasn't as thus saith the Lord. It was just, it was two. And make a long story short, 2011, the Lord prophesied and uh, said that we were going to have a son, spoke very clear and precise things. I mean, things that only we knew. So it was obvious it was, it, it, it wasn't, it was obvious it was God. We didn't need anybody to confirm it. It was obvious it was God. And when our third child come along, this and please don't take this about the third. I'm, can, I, can I talk for a second without you going beyond what I'm saying, trying to read into it? If I can't be open and try to help somebody without you taking it and then coming up after me and, and trying to psychoanalyze what I'm saying, Lord, help us. We need a prayer meeting. Have you ever, if something about, and I know it's different for everybody, so I can't, I, you may be different. I don't need you to come up to me and tell me your war stories. It's just, but somehow in the middle of pastoring, in the middle of everything that was going on, going from two to three was life-changing. It was, it was, it was difficult. It was a life-changing deal. It, 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 it was, I'm not a depressed person at all. If you know me, I'm pretty happy most of the time. But for the first, you can ask my wife, for the first six months after I went through postpartum, I didn't know. <laughs> I was depressed. And in that period of time, I allowed myself 
to begin to take out my frustration on God. To the point that I would say, well, God, you're the one that got us in this mess. And you're the one that caused all this. Thanks a lot. I can't tell you how many times I was just angry, frustrated with God. God, what are you doing? You're supposed, this is supposed to be a blessing. And all it's just, this is just, I don't know if we're going to make it out of this. What are you doing, God? How, how in the world do you even, I, I, I got to be honest with you. It was at the point where, God, do you even know what you're doing anymore? I know no one's ever been there. I'm the only one, so just allow me to talk for a second. God, I thought you loved us. And you know what? I, I, I even went farther. I said, you know what, God? We didn't even ask for it. You, you stopped what we were doing. You sent a man who was on deathbed and prophesied to us, and you told us this, but you didn't tell us everything else. Thanks a lot, God. And I would come to church, and I'd be mad. And you know what? Can I be truthful? Outside of the two hours I was in the pulpit on Sunday morning, outside of that, my life was one miserable time. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to do anything. I faked it as much as I could, not to try to be a hypocrite, but it was hard for me because it would come into church. I had all this stuff working. And you know what? It's one thing for it to work when you're sitting there. Try sitting up here where everyone's looking at you. He's not worshiping. I wonder what's wrong with him. So I look at the scores of the I mean, Redskins game. Woo, yeah, touchdown. They think I was worshiping. I'm just saying touchdown. Hallelujah. Something to help. It was, it was a struggle, brother you. If this is offending you and this makes me think you think less of me, then, that's, then, then apparently you want a, an angel, not a preacher. And I went through this stage, and it was a couple years where I teetered back and forth, and I'd have my peaks, and I'd come out of it, and boy, I'd be okay, and then I would just wipe back into it. And it was just churning in me. It was churning in me. And then on top of that, there was stuff going on around us, and we were dealing with this and dealing with that, and it seemed like everything was all this swirling around us, and it was just, I mean, literally, I was just chomping at the bit, and I'm, I'm just, and just everybody was just, it was, oh! And I got the phone call. Son, we need to talk. But this is not a talk with your father. I'm going to talk to you as your bishop. Great. I sat down and this is what he spoke. Matthew 11, verse 6. Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. 
That verse is also repeated in Luke chapter 7, verse 23. In the Amplified, it says, And blessed, happy with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation apart from our conditions. And to be envied is he who takes no offense in me and who is not hurt or resentful or annoyed or repelled or made to stumble in whatever may occur. And I had to make a choice. Do I continue to be angry at God or do I fall and repent and let God help me with his grace? Can I say to you today, thank, thank God that I repented, fell on God's grace and mercy and said, Lord, forgive me. And you know what happened? My life, it didn't just become a bed of roses. But there was such a flood of grace. Doors began to change. Things began to happen. Because I made the choice to let things go and forgive. And you know what? Some of you here tonight, you are so offended with God because of the way your life has turned out. Or the way things are going in your life. And you're holding God over the fire. And you're offended with Him. And you're telling Him this. You know what? I... I can't explain some things. I can't. I can't. I don't know. I can't explain to you tonight why certain things happen. I can't explain to you. I know some of you are going through hell. I know some of you have gone. It just seems like every time you turn around, you're facing another trial. I can't explain that to you. I don't know. I just go to scripture and I read. There was a man named Job, friend. He turned around and it was catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe. And he had to make a choice. Do I hold on to this and harbor this? And his wife said, Job, just curse God and die. Get it over with. Or do I do like Job and finally say, listen, it's not worth holding you accountable. If I lose everything and I leave with nothing, I'm still leaving the same way I came in versus allowing something to harbor in my spirit. I'm sorry, folks, tonight I can't package it to you in a way that can make it any plainer. I can't give it to you in a, in a beautiful, neat box that's going to make it palatable to your flesh. I can't speak to you tonight and give it to you in some Greek and Hebrew that's going to open up your mind and go, wow, I've never seen it like that. And have you say, well, you know what? I didn't see it now, but I, I, I didn't see it then, but I see it now. It's, it's just black and white. It's black and white in this place. And there are some of you, you have got to make, I'm not saying that you're just going to get up and all of a sudden you just start hugging people and loving on people. I'm saying tonight, you've got to make a choice, God, by your help and grace. I don't want this in my spirit anymore. By your help and grace, God, I don't want this in my spirit anymore because you know what was crazy about it? I can speak this for me. Do you know what? It wasn't just hurting me. It was hurting my wife. It was hurting my three kids. It was hurting my entire house. My house had no peace. My house had no joy. My house had strife. My house had anger. My house had confusion because I refused to let things go in my spirit and if you're in here in a place and you think you can just skate through life and it doesn't affect I'm telling you it affects everything whether you believe it or not it affects it 
And I know God wants to do something great in this congregation. I can sense it. I know it. When, when, when Bishop Wright came and sat down with my wife and I, February the 8th of this year, and said, I want you to go start a new congregation, a new church of Antioch. And here's what's going to happen. And I began to pray about it and feel about it. And I, and I felt in my spirit such a sense of greatness. Do you know what I believe? That we have a major problem. We've got a big problem. Here's what I believe. We've got a major problem. We only have enough money to build a certain size building in Odenton and I'm afraid when we begin construction that building is already going to be too small by the time we get into it and we're going to spend that money and not be able to fit. That's what I believe but we cannot get there unless somebody is willing to say you know what I can sit here and I can hold on to this and I can die here but it's not worth giving up my birthright let it go God help us there are some of you in here you have been around for years you have been around for years you have stuck it out when others have left you have been here you have had friends and family members that have told you you're crazy for staying in that church but yet you stuck it out God forbid you get this close to seeing what you believe for and then throw it all away because you weren't willing to take one more step it's God forbid that you hear about it through the grapevine God forbid that you hear about it from somebody else or catch it on Facebook or get a picture of it or watch it on a live stream and then you're not here to experience it God forbid been here for 36 years I've seen great men and great women of God I mean people that are responsible for some of you sitting on these seats tonight that are not here because they refused to make that choice And the cancer of unforgiveness and bitterness began to eat on them. And you know what the problem is with cancer? Most of the time when you have cancer, you don't see any symptoms right away. There are times where people find out they have cancer and they don't even know anything was wrong. And they go to the doctor for a routine checkup and the doctor says, you're not, we got to sit, we found something. Well, what'd you find? We found that you've got this in your body. I didn't even know I had that. That's what bitterness does. There are times when you've got it. You say, well, it's not affecting anything. There's no symptoms, but it's slowly beginning to work its way into your body, and it's beginning to reproduce cell by cell, day by day, minute by minute, and before you realize it, there's going to be a point in time where the doctor says, I'm sorry. There's nothing more that we can do. We can give you enough medication to make you happy, to give you enough medication to make the pain go away, but we can't get the cancer out of you. You've only got six months to live, and there gets to a point in time Will you let bitterness and unforgiveness sit in your spirit long enough that there's a time where I can preach until I'm blue in the face and we can sing and we can pray, but it might be too late. I feel such a burden in my spirit tonight to tell somebody don't pass up another opportunity tonight. I'm begging you. Don't pass up another opportunity. Don't pass up another opportunity. There's an evangelist I've read. A lot of his books. 
I don't say who it is because I don't. Sometimes you got to take the meat to spit out the bones. So I'm not going to have you go down those roads. He told a story one time that he was in a revival at a fairly large church. He was in the middle of this revival and it was locked up. It was tight. There was nothing happening. After several weeks of this, he was praying. The Lord spoke to him and said, this church has allowed the spirit of bitterness to come in this church. And I refuse to bring revival until they deal with that. It was a Monday night. He goes to the pulpit and he stands before the pulpit. and He says, I'm not going to preach tonight. I'm not going to do anything tonight. Tonight, we're going to deal with this. I'm going to sit the microphone down. If you're in here tonight and you've got bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart, the Holy Ghost is asking you to come before everybody and speak forgiveness. Set the microphone down and walked away and sat down. No one moved. Nobody said anything. A few moments passed, nothing was happening. A few moments passed after that, nothing else was happening. After about 15 minutes, there was a whimper in the crowd. Young girl, about 17, 18, tears began to flow out of her. Down her cheeks, she got up out of her seat, walked down, grabbed the microphone, stood before the church, and it was, it was a large church. It wasn't a small group of people. She said, I want to confess and ask forgiveness. She said, my father, who was a deacon in the church, she said, my father was unfaithful to my mother and I have held that bitterness against him and I have spewed to many of you in this room what kind of person he is and I have not helped him find his way back. And because of that, I'm asking God to forgive me and I'm asking you and those of you that I've spoke against my father to, to forgive me. She set down the microphone. All of a sudden, one by one, people began to step out of their seat, walk down, pick up the microphone and say, I forgive so-and-so. I forgive so-and-so. I forgive. And with about 20 minutes, the whole entire auditorium was filled with tears and repentance. And a spirit of repentance hit that body. And God moved in a powerful way. And when they showed up the next night, they had twice as many people the next night as they did that night because it broke. And God said, now I'll do it. I will not be sitting down the microphone. That's not what the Lord has asked me to do. I know we've done it in the past and I'm not going to do it tonight. So don't, don't be scared. I'm not, I'm not always a big fan of saying, well, if, you, if you're offended with somebody, go tell them. Sometimes I think that makes it worse than it does better. Well, Brother Mallory, you offended me. Brother Mallory's like, well, what did I do? So now, I, now I'm good, but now he's offended. 
So now we're in, now we're just going around and say, well, Brother Mallory, you know, you, I'm offended at you, but I forgive you. And I walk away, praise God, I've let it go. And he's like, are you kidding me? What have I done? So I'm not, it's, this is not going to be a night of open confession. But I'm asking, there are some of you in this place, you need to make a choice tonight to begin to let some things go. Is it hard? If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's the only choice. Because I'm telling you what I feel in my spirit. That God is not going to let this thing stop. Because some of you refuse to deal with it. That God is going to either deal with it openly or you're not going to be here. Because he's not going to let all of this stop because you refuse to deal with things. And God's giving you an opportunity tonight. And some of you are offended with a brother, a sister. Some of you are offended with family, whatever it might be. But there are some of you tonight, you're offended with God. And you know what? We can sit here tonight, we can analyze everything. But bottom line comes down to this. You need to make a choice. God, I forgive and I release. I forgive and I release. I forgive and I release. Because I'm telling you tonight, there's going to be a point in time for those of you that don't do this, that out of God's mercy, He's going to send somebody your way to deal with it one last time. Because we are going forward and we're going to have revival in Jesus' name. We're going to have it. I'm asking someone tonight. I'm, I'm begging you. I'm pleading with you. I'm, I, I, if I could get on my knees in front of you and weep, I would do that if I knew it would, would help. I, I, I don't want to sensationalize this. I don't want to make it an emotional appeal. I'm just feeling hopefully in Jesus' name, you feel the burden of my heart, the tug of my heart. I'm asking somebody, would you get out of your seat? Would you come down here tonight? And would you confess and say, God, I've been harboring unforgiveness and bitterness and, uh, and all this stuff. But tonight, by your grace, Lord, I want to begin to let it go. I want to, I don't know how. Maybe you could say, I don't know how to let it go. I don't know what to do with it. But Lord, I'm willing to give it a chance. Lord, I forgive so-and-so. Lord, Lord, I forgive you. I give. Come on, these aren't the only ones that need to do this. Come on, there's some of you, you can sit there and deny it all you want. But I pray in Jesus' name, the conviction of the Holy Ghost would shake you to your core. The seriousness of this moment. Come on. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Forgive and release. Come on, forgive and release tonight. Come on, forgive and release. God, by your help and your grace, I forgive. I release to you. Come on, confess it. Come on, be willing to open up and confess it tonight. It begins here. It begins here in this moment. Come on, I'm begging somebody tonight. I'm begging someone tonight. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go.
Turn loose of it. Turn loose of it. Turn loose of it. Turn loose of it. Come on. Come on. Come on, let it go. Don't leave out of this place tonight without releasing it to God. Don't do it. Come on tonight. Let it start tonight. Oh, in the name of Jesus, there's revival and harvest coming our way. And I'm asking you, I'm begging you, be a part of it. Don't miss out on it.